Check the program. 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 Welcome to Check the Program, a kitchen table podcast by four sometimes journalists who saw a lack of arts coverage in the city and decided to do something about it. I am Sarah Petrescu. I'm Melanie Trump-Hoover. I'm John Thrillpole. I'm Amanda Farrell-Lowe, and here we are to talk about some season openers. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy, happy art season, everyone. <laughs> we took a bit of a break to recover post-fringe, and now we're here uh, to talk about some uh, ac- excellent season openers yeah, yeah, that we've uh, that yeah. we've seen. Uh, Langham Court Theatres over the river and through the woods, the children at the Belfry, um, Dead Man's Cell Phone uh, at Theatre in Kanu, plus uh, Melanie spoke with Dave Morris at Paper Street Theatre about how they pull together their very unique season. But before we b- begin, I'd like to acknowledge that Victoria occupies the traditional territories of the Lekwungen and Coast Salish peoples, including what is now known as the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations. As settler people, we have the privilege to live, work, and create on these lands, and much of the art we are discussing here has also been created and performed here. So we're going to start with uh, the Belfry? Yeah, the children at the Belfry. So three of us saw it, uh, Melanie and John and myself. And yeah, I think we'll all have interesting takes on it. So just a sort of a bit of a quick recap, um, a play by Lucy Kirkwood, a young British playwright, uh, kind of a, about um, three people who are um, just past middle age, uh, former nuclear scientists and uh, living in a bit of a, I don't know, I don't want to call it a dystopian world, but a post-apocalyptic world after a natural disaster who are um, kind of faced with making some choices and reflections about their lives. And uh, I was joking with Melanie after the show Texting saying, "Is this a, is this a takedown on boomers or, or what is it? Is <laughs> or is it a tribute? In or a is way? it a yeah. tribute? Which one? Which one? So, I guess maybe that comes into play of who who does uh, Lucy Kirk would mean with the children. Um, I thought it was an excellent play just for being so engaging, mm-hmm. and I think part of that was the novelty of seeing um, live theater set in that sort of post disaster time, and I thought they did a great job of that." I, I said the breakout star of the show was the lighting um, <laughs> by Alan Brody. Yeah, which was very good. Yeah, yeah it was very good yeah. and it was very atmospheric and um, and it really was a character in the in the show, and the dialogue uh, I thought was really excellent. Mm-hmm. I felt like there were some cliched sort of stereotypes, but maybe that was the point mm. of boomers of millennials. Um, there is some you know some jokes some. Uh, I think I said on my Facebook review some like you know some fat jokes with I thought which I thought who laughs at those anymore like no one even laughed that's in the like, audience that's like but the, maybe it's a British thing I well don't know. also like that's not the first time this has come up no, in, it's yeah. lame. in Belfry plays in particular yeah, for some reason the, like last bastion that can still be made fun of well in and, plays. I mean given the age of the yeah. characters the yeah. characters in the show are pushing 70 so you know maybe it's a style of comedy from that generation yeah, yeah I for guess sure. so it'll be nice to see us get past yeah. that yeah, the other groaner, which is another one that keeps coming up in shows, is the older guy lusting after the younger ladies, which, yeah. Well, apparently, that's just true. 
Apparently, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, that's a true. I know, but it's never the going fact anywhere. that the younger ladies might entertain these guys is the groaner part. Okay, so the funny thing is, in both of the those instances in the plays, weren't they written by younger women? Yeah, yeah, so that's why I'm wondering if it is a bit of a stereotype, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was the weird thing to me, right? I'm sure yeah. it's experiential. But other, I mean, yeah. Other yeah. Than that. But other than like the dialogue was cracking. I love the interplay yeah. between yes. the characters. I love the fact that this was a real-time play where the entire show happened in the same space as what we're watching mm-hmm. it. The lighting reflected that as well. Uh, I really enjoyed Michael Stramata's direction because it was really engaging. And even though it was mm-hmm. a three-hander, even when all three people were on stage, there were moments where two of them were having a conversation. You're so focused on what was happening there, you totally forgot somebody else was there. Yeah. Like, I really enjoyed it. It was pretty seamless, thing. I it thought. It really was. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know about your audience. My audience really didn't know how to react to it. Uh, at the end, when the lights went down, very clearly it was the end of the show. There's a, a blackout. There's a lighting cue and a sound cue that indicated it was the end of the show. And it was probably a good like five seconds of awkward silence before my audience started clapping. I didn't see it opening night. Um, and I, I go back to the idea of the boomers. Like I think they felt implicated in the story, in the concept of the show, that the burden of responsibility for the world we live in now is squarely on their shoulders. And I don't think they like that very much. Did, did you see it after Greta Thunberg's big speech? No, to, it was just before that. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, it, just the timing yes. as well. Yes. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. The, yeah, I don't know. I feel like if any place in the world that boomers would put themselves on the sacrificial fire it would be in victoria yeah why do you think that why well victoria? you know everybody's out and you know there's a lot of people who are out protesting pipelines a lot of people are politically active based on environmental issues mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i feel like victoria is where you would find those people who are like take me you know <laughs> so but maybe in other places they might be a little bit you know oh i don't know it's you know i was just raising my kids i was doing the best i could which is kind of actually one of the comments listening to someone in after was um, you know, I kind of get it. Like, you're just doing the best you can with what you have at the time. Like, should you have to pay for that later, right? So. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, that's why I thought it was such a good season mm-hmm. opener. Uh, rather yeah. than just giving us a lighthearted comedy that might have been entertaining, they gave us a piece of theater that actually challenged us mm-hmm. and made us think and will mm-hmm. hopefully resonate uh, yeah. beyond the time when they, the lights come mm-hmm. down. But did have lighthearted moments, too. Oh, Even it, some choreography. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a funny script. Like, There's some really yeah. good moments in yeah. it. And yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I did, too. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that was excellent. Yeah. yeah, and I was also very, very surprised how much I enjoyed uh, Dead Man's Cell Phone at the Theatre in Kanu. Um, Sarah Rule is a playwright that I really like her work. Uh, the things I've seen, The Clean House, Langham Court did that a couple of years ago, two seasons ago, I think it was. Well, um, we talked about it on the podcast, so it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, Phoenix did her version of Eurydice not too long ago. Uh, in Kanu themselves did In the Next Room, the vibr- vibrator play, which was hers too. Uh, great script. And I, I don't want to even tell you too much about what the show is about. It, the title says it all. Uh, dead Man's Cell Phone, A Woman in a Cafe. Uh, there's a cell phone that's ringing at the next table. It's annoying her. She asks the man to pick it up. He doesn't respond. He, she goes over. He's dead. She picks up the phone, You know, speaks into the phone, and then the whole play unravels from there. But it's so surprising where it goes, and the dialogue is so snappy and and unexpected everything is unexpected about this mm. show 
and uh, they did such a good job on it. Morgan Gad directed it, and he's made the most of a very small space with his cast. The cast is very strong. Melissa Blank is always reliable in Inconu shows, but uh, uh, the other two people who I really, really like, Sarah Heyman, uh, she's got a hilarious drunk scene that's just fantastic. <laughs> and Wendy Megahay, who we've seen in... Um, uh, the Shakespeare Fest yeah. in the summer. She's, she's in a lot of things. She yeah. did The yeah. Tempest a couple of years, two seasons ago, I guess. She's sort of the matriarch of this, the dead man's family. And, oh my God, she steals every single scene <laughs> she's in. And it's just, it's a fantastic show. It's funny. It's engaging. It's, there's no wasted time. Um, totally go see it. It's, it's, it's such a great show. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, and I uh, also really enjoyed the season opener at Langham Court Theatre over the river and through the woods. And it was one where I read the synopsis and thought, okay, this is going to be a pretty standard intergenerational comedy, you know, something that you would expect to see at Langham Court. It's the story of a young man named Nick, played by Liam McDonald. He uh, is from a large Italian-American family, and every Sunday... He goes over to New Jersey and goes to his uh, grandparents' house and both his sets of grandparents are there and he goes over there for dinner. Big Italian dinner every Sunday night. And so so he's got uh, his maternal grandparents, Frank and Ada. They're played by David Biltick and Pam Miller. And his paternal grandparents, Nunzio and Emma, they're played by Ira Shore and Angela Henry. And uh, so they all get together and have this big boisterous meal. And of course his grandparents get totally get on his nerves and they all they don't really quite understand each other but he dutifully goes every every week and so one week he goes over and makes this big announcement that he's going he's got this big job promotion and he's going to move across the country and so his grandparents you know a bunch of his family's already moved and so they hatched this plan to get him to stay by introducing him to this nice young woman named Caitlin played by Emily McFarland and then it just kind of goes from there okay you think great pretty straight up right um, but the, this play has a lot more going on than you'd think. <laughs> Joe DePietro is the uh, is the playwright. He is uh, also known for writing I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change. I feel like somebody did that in Victoria a long time ago. Might have been Langham. I know yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, and so there's, it's actually, I wouldn't even just call it a straight up comedy. There's a lot of drama in this play too as Nick kind of gets to know a little bit more about his grandparents and you get to know a little bit more about his grandparents and, you know, there's a little bit more uh, more about the immigrant experience in here and a little bit more about their lives. And he, yeah, he just kind of gets a little closer to them. And um, there's a couple of plot twists that are quite interesting. And there's a couple of scenes that are um, really quite um, touching and intimate and there's not a dry eye in the room. And the, the cast is excellent. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, like really strong performances by everybody, I would say. And like both those intimate one-on-one -on -one scenes and the ensemble scenes are quite funny. Like some like stereotypical dialogue, mm. but it's great. Like really funny, quite hilarious. Um, Jason Vixie is the director. He also designed the set, which was really great. It all takes place in the living room. Well, I guess the living and dining room of this home, but then it's got the um, rotating set where it also is their front porch. So it kind of spins around um, every once in a while and they have little scenes that take place on the front porch too. Um, so there's more depth to this play. Uh, it has a little bit more going on than you would expect. And yeah, great direction, really solid cast. 
and um, it's two uh, two hours long with a twenty minute intermission, but it it, it didn't feel like it dragged at all. Mm. Yeah, it it doesn't just come across as this kind of like luxury, like making young people feel bad about how they treat their grandparents kind of show. And it doesn't wrap up in a neat little bow at the end either. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I walked out of there feeling like pleasantly surprised. And I felt like it was kind of a really great show for Langham and really represented the, the growth that Langham's uh, had over the 15 years I've been going there. You know, it has everything that you'd think the quote-unquote traditional audience of Langham would want, like that light comedy, those sort of themes that maybe, the, you know, an older audience would appreciate. But it's also just a really great production mm. and a re- really good theater. So, mm. I, yeah, a very strong opener for Langham season. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be seeing more of this. And, like, kudos to the people who programmed their season this year like i think it was an excellent choice in terms of a show that would appeal to pretty much anyone who would be coming to langport yeah they all sound they, they sound like the one thing they all have in common is strong scripts mm-hmm. and good performances yeah you yeah know, definitely is, you know fantastic mm-hmm. uh Incon, who's obviously could always benefit from more of a set design but they have such a small space that they're Teeny really tiny. limited in what they can do mm-hmm. but similarly it was a two-hour show uh, after the intermission, I was really eager to go back for the second yeah. act and see what happens next. Yeah, I totally felt the same way at Langham. Yeah. Like yeah, they yeah. kind of leave you on a bit of a cliffhanger after the first, the first act, and I'm just like, okay, what's going to happen? Like, where does the show go from here? And that's one of the things I really admired about the Belfry's production, as well as that it was 100 minutes with no intermission, mm-hmm. because I think an intermission really would have broken that show, and it would have mm-hmm. really interrupted the flow of what was yeah. happening. Yeah, would have made you. Remind you you're at a show and yeah. not like yeah. a Greek chorus a little bit watching yeah. these three people. Yeah. It's out. funny. So did like I didn't see the children. I'm the only one here who didn't. Yeah. But listening to you talk about it kind of made me think a little bit of bears. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, hmm, that's tricky. Bears was so multimedia. Yeah. It's such a non-traditional yeah. story. Yeah. But like yeah, the, yeah. just the, the themes and like the, had, yeah. You know, yeah. Similar yeah. themes yeah. of environmental issues and responsibilities. And that, and just the whole like Greek chorus comment. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. maybe yeah. not in style, but like in feel, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely similar in the way that it would be something you would talk about after yes. where you're sort of yeah. Values, yeah. ideas, land on it. Yeah, yeah. challenges yeah. it as well. For yeah. sure. I would love to have a, an audience panel after the children and just talk to some people and see, yeah. see how they felt about it. You know, see yeah. what, what they what maybe they if you're listening, tell us how you yeah. felt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what would you do? What you would do? Like that's that's what I left with. Yeah. Of you know, yeah. what if I was facing and not to give it much away. But if I was near the end of my years, realistically, like in my 60s or whatnot, and had an opportunity to take some responsibility and ensure that younger people could live longer, mm-hmm. even though I have kids, you know, like that I have this whole family and life worth living for, would I, mm-hmm. would I make the same choice or not? I think that's mm-hmm. what everybody leaves with. Would you spend degree. your golden years mm-hmm. being a helper and working, you know, for the next generation? Or would you want to just enjoy the retirement you work for? Retirement you work for. So, mm-hmm. yeah. it depends. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so definitely thought-provoking. Yeah, thought-provoking, for sure. Absolutely. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, lots of great theater to go see. So I suppose we should tell people that uh, Dead Man's Cell Phone at Inconu runs until October 12th. As does uh, Over the River and Through the Woods at Langham Court. 
And the children runs till October 13th. Okay, so, so you've got there's t- there's a couple more weeks. Yeah, great. And speaking of seasons, uh, mm-hmm. Melanie, you spoke with Dave Morris over at Paper Street Theater. I did, yes. We've been talking about all these great new shows, kicking off seasons. That's the start of fall. Uh, for most art companies in the city, their new seasons kick off, including Paper Street Theater, which is a, com- a company of improvisers that produces long-form theatrical improv shows that feel like theater, but they're made up on the spot. Is their kind of niche in the improv world and in the theater world in Victoria. So unlike other theater companies, Paper Street is really in this unique position because they can program virtually anything they want, any pop culture moment that they really want to explore, an auteur that they feel like um, sinking their teeth into, and so that puts them in an interesting position as they're programming their season. So as Amanda said, I sat down with Dave Morris, who's the artistic uh, director of Paper Street, as well as kind of the improv dude, I'd say, in Victoria, teaching a lot of um, emerging improvisers and kind of in and about in all sorts of places. Uh, Johnny said you saw him at a burlesque show performing magic. I did, yeah, magic the burlesque theater. show. Dudes, dudes, dudes. Yeah, yeah. he's so, all over the place. He's a man about town and an excellent improviser, and he also happens to program Paper Street season. So I sat down with him and, and just to get a sense of what, um, what he's going for and what's inspiring him as he pieces together a season. I try to find styles and genres that push the company in a new direction but also train our improvisers in new skills that might help them get to that theatrical level more Uh, and then sometimes i'm just doing shows that selfishly i want to do like samuel beckett at christmas i just wanted to do that and so i did it and so the inspiration comes from that so what can i do this season to help push us in a more theatrical way but there is also that pressure of what are people going to want to see? So I got to make sure I bring in some new people, new audience members, uh, give audience members a little bit of what they want so that they come with us when we take those risks. And I should have mentioned the audio. Dave and I are both fidgeters, so we're touching the table while we're talking. So I apologize. You'll hear little taps <laughs> in between what we're talking about. But... That's what that is, in case you were wondering. (laughs) Anyways, you just heard Dave talk about risks, and there's really truly been a risk, something very niche and very unexpected in pretty much all of their eight seasons so far, including a run at Franz Kafka, H.P. Lovecraft, and last year's Samuel Beckett Christmas show. And this is, I guess, something different between parodying something and just trying to recreate it. So we're always trying to recreate it improvised as best we can. We want Franz Kafka fans to watch our show and say, yeah, Kafka might have written that. Or that was, it was close. It felt a little like Kafka. Uh, what we're not trying to do is make Franz Kafka fans laugh at us making fun of Kafka. Beckett show last year, we, we took this bold move. We, we didn't ask for suggestions. And by, it was just Byron and I, just two of us doing the whole thing. And we just started the show without any explanation and just went into a Beckett-style improv show. It didn't take, and we put a sign, you know, this is improvised. And we just improvised. And then we did the first half, and then the second half of the show, we tried to recreate the first half as best we could from memory. And we couldn't do it, of course, so it went all over the place. But we were just trying to make it feel like exactly the same, so that audience members got a feeling of a Beckett show. That they didn't know what was going on, uh, or why any of this was happening, or what's so important. And then we had, they had to watch it again. <laughs> Exactly. So for season nine, Paper Street is 
uh, they're planning to ride the current 80s fantasy nostalgia waves that the entire <laughs> all of North America is riding with Stranger Things um, and with the Dark Crystal coming out and whatnot, which Dave didn't actually know. He programmed this before the Dark oh, really? Crystal came what? back on Netflix. Wow. Yes. So that's the Crystal Labyrinth in October. They're doing a few Christmas classics with old silk hats in December. And then the risky one just for them next spring is the Willow Man, which is an improvised Mark or uh, yeah, improvised Martin McDonough. Truth. Who is yeah, master if in case you don't know who that is, Dave says nobody does. Um, anytime they've been talking about it, he's really the master of dark, strange, modern Irish plays. Totally. And so across these nine seasons, the company has taken on almost thirty very, very specific and entirely unique genres. And so I asked Dave how the cast prepares for each show to be able to really capture that essence and, and the framing of the genre without um, with, with still being able to make up something totally on the spot. Mostly it's just watching the source material, watching film noir, learning about German expressionism, and reading hard-boiled detective novels. So you get a full idea of not only what film noir is, but where the inspiration for film noir came from, and then what else was happening at the time in the world that might have influenced the style. Uh, and so a lot of researching, and then we uh, the, we really go through four things. We go through body is the, fir is the first, how do they move, what are the, what's the physical way we're going to present it, voice, how do they speak, what kind of language do they use, uh, what's their... Is it like short, quick sentences like in a film noir? Or is it really long, drawn-out sentences like Edgar Allan Poe? Uh, so like, how, what's the language like? And then what are the themes that are often explored? Slash, why did, does this style exist? So like with Edgar Allan Poe, it's like, what, what does he always write about? Why is he writing about that? What happened in his life that made him constantly write about a, a dead women haunting him? What happened? And then the very last thing we look at is the... Um, the story like what what kinds of stories are told in this environment so the goal of paper streets regular season really is to nail that genre piece but that's not what they're doing at all with their new show adaptation which is a partnership with the greater victoria public library so once a month four of their cast members are creating a brand new play a live adaptation of a book they've never read based entirely on basically the dust jacket blurb <laughs> the library re reads aloud at the top of the show dave wanted to create new work on a regular basis and so this idea popped into his mind so he gets up a heads up on the genre a week before the show and that's it and yet he really sees a, a really strong link a tie between improv and books really being as a natural extension of the form a lot of people think of it like improvisers too that it's like closer to film uh but it's actually closer to literature uh as far as like the theatricality of it goes because in theater, normal theater, you build sets, you have these really complex sets and props and everything. In improv, we don't have that, so because uh, we don't know what's going to happen exactly. We can hint at it, we can wear costumes that hint at the style, but not specifics. Um, and so, unlike film, where everything is super specific, improv is really vague, and a lot of it demands the audience to participate in imagining the not only the 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 surroundings, but also the specific objects, the characters' costumes, what the characters look like. Sometimes you have a beard, but you don't actually have a beard, and so the audience has to constantly be participating in that, which is, to me, what makes it a lot more like reading a book, where your, your imagination is active the whole time. You don't just sit back and let it wash over you. And so connecting with the library as well in that aspect is something that I, I just think is, is perfect.
That's kind of an amazing way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I would have never made that connection. <laughs> it's awesome. It is. And yeah, so there's three more presentations of Adaptation this fall. They're on Sunday nights. I think it's the second Sunday night of the month. You can look on their website. And the venue, this is even cooler, the venue, which is Intrepid Theater, it turns into a pop-up library that night. So if you don't have a library card, you can get one there. You can rent the book you can borrow the book that they've just performed if you want or other books like it they bring a bunch from the genre oh that's awesome are are extending their community outreach through it so the librarians are choosing the books they are yeah oh that's so cool that's great i like what the gvpl is doing these days with books mac and things like this it's really great yeah so the other addition to paper streets new season is a monthly herald night And for those that don't know, and I did not know before this conversation with Dave, heralds are the traditional format for long-form improvisation that fans all over the world know about. So it's that really traditional, you get thrown a a word at the beginning Mm. and it triggers a whole series of games and um, little skits and vignettes exploring the kind of meaning of that word. It's almost as if the suggestion is the question and the herald is the answer. So you give us the suggestion of book and throughout the herald, we should explore for you what is book, what is a book, or the concept of book. And then it should all come perfectly together at the end, as someone says, uh, and they lived happily ever after the end, and closes a book, and then the lights go out, and you're like, oh, that was perfect. And so adding a monthly herald to Paper Street season means that Victoria can now see improv virtually every Sunday night at the Intrepid Theatre Club. But it's also Dave's response to the recent boom of professional improvisers in Victoria that are looking for more opportunities to perform over the last 10 years or so. There's just this huge, huge number. That's kind of his fault, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he trained everybody. So now he's... You see that in other areas. Certainly, you think about the burlesque arena, like the number of people who have trained with Rosie Betts over the years, they need places to perform. Same with improvisers. It's all well and good to train, but you need somewhere to do that. Mm -hmm. All of my masterclass students knew Harold, and a lot of the people that auditioned for Paper Street know what a Harold is, and a lot of them really want to do more Heralds because they only get the opportunity in class, and that's it. There's no Harold show that happens in town. So I was like, well, that's the fix then. I have all these people that want to be in shows. I'll just run a Herald Night. And right now it's just eight of us doing the whole two halves of the show. In the future, we may end up bringing in another group of eight to do one half and then the other eight do the other half. And we just have two Heralds each night. Um, we'll see where it goes. But uh, we had a perfect sold out house. So it's a show that I think people want to watch, people want to do. So we'll, we'll, that's why that's why Harold. And so that's kind of how Dave put together the season this year, the additions that they've made. And there's even more improv opportunities for fans of both that form specifically and their, that really theatrical, um, long-form work that they do. It's a really interesting facet of the Victoria Theatre community. Nine seasons. Nine seasons. Eight. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. You know, you think about we were all here when Paper Street started. And yeah. It seemed like, you know, a great idea, but how long could they sustain it? Nine yeah. seasons later. And when you hear it all together, the summary of all their plans and stuff, wow, it's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's built up a community. Yeah. I want to know who all these improvisers are. Yeah. Well, and that's not even taking into account the things, the people they bring in and the places yeah. they go as, yeah. a, as a company as well, the other yeah. cities they visit. And yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, great. Great. Thanks, Melanie. And thanks, Dave. So, yeah, um, 
October is so here, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy how much stuff is coming. Up. Well, it's not crazy. It's just Victoria's art yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there, we had that one one uh, Saturday a couple of weeks ago. I think it was the twenty first of September when there's like eight things happening the same night. It was yeah. just crazy how much stuff happens. And uh, here we go with October, which yeah, is here much we are. the same. So mm-hmm. I've already got tickets to go see Fake Ghost Tours at the Royal BC Museum. Yeah. Uh, I loved their show at the Fringe uh, a couple of years ago. So I'm fascinated to see what they do with the RBCM. October that'll, yeah, I mean, that'll be... Are they going to use the whole museum? Like I, what? I don't know how they're going to do yeah, it. Yeah, I'll be. I'm going to be away all yeah. of that week. I'm super bummed. Three shows a night, four show, four nights. So there's a lot of material there. I don't know if they're going to do, you know, a night just on the boat and a night in the old town, a night with the mammoth, or if they're going to roam <laughs> yeah. around. Who knows? I'll find out. Are you going every night to be able to no. find out? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm probably I'm probably be a lot of fun. Well, we're definitely coming into spooky season. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but a lot of other stuff too. Um, there's a couple of um, Indigenous arts events I want to check out. One is the celebration of the matriarchs um, at the AGGV on October 5th, which looks really interesting, also with a drumming group. And, um, and then there's also a um, on October 10th um, an Indigenous writers uh, night with uh, different local writers at the greater victoria public library from 7 to 8 30 which looks really interesting as well so yeah some sort of different different arts events um yeah what do you what's everyone else going to um, on another Indigenous artist, uh, Jeremy Dutcher's coming back. Yes. Yay, got tickets for oh, right. Are there golden. any tickets left? The there's a yeah, few. there's a few. Yeah, yeah it's, um, I know that that show. show will be after we record next, but if you want to go buy tickets now. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Um, and on another music note, Thresh Hermit is oh, coming really? to town on October 15th. Yeah. And Sloan is touring again. They're uh, doing Navy Blues. Uh, it's yeah, like the 25th I saw that. anniversary of it or something. They're coming to District. So Ooh. I'm really debating going to see Sloan. Yeah, a little throwback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting venue choice. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm kind of. I remember seeing Sloan there back when it was probably like Legends or something. Right. And they put on the worst show. No, don't <laughs> they say were that. so. It was no. no they they've since redeemed. This was years and years ago, and I remember seeing them, and it was really bad. And I remember interviewing them for Monday after that, okay. and calling them out on how bad their show was, and they were like, "Oh, we were so hungover that day." No. <laughs> but then I went and saw them again, and they were really great. Well, they're coming in just for Halloween. It's October 29th in yeah. district, so I'm sure it'll be a great show. But it was just funny because it was like so funny to be in that position to like. I was such a huge Sloan fan. And then I saw them and they were so disappointing. And then like a few years later, I was like, I can actually call you out on your crappy performance because I am a music journalist and I get to interview you. It was like, it was really funny. But they actually remembered that performance and they were like, yeah, that was not a bad good one. Yeah, they had a bad night. Do they keep playing the same venue? Like when they came back into town, were they at No, Legends I think they, no, I think that they were, um capital ballroom or whatever now whatever it is now there's a few more season openers um pacific opera victoria's opening puccini's il tritico Mm -hmm. trio of operas which sounds really interesting Mm -hmm. puccini is always a crowd pleaser but i haven't i don't know the music from those ones so i'm i'm quite curious to go see that and and I'll be at Sam Mullen's Week Sauce, which is the Phoenix opener. Yeah, it's this Spotlight on Alumni, yeah. which they kick off their season with every mm-hmm. year. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's coming up, I think, October 8th. Yeah, through to the 19th. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Mullins, Canadian Comedy Award winner. Tinfoil Dinosaurs was a French show mm-hmm. a lot of people know. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him. I yeah. think, you know, another good yeah. model August. Like, yeah, and Week Sauce was has been here before. Yeah, I want yeah. to see it has. I, I saw it at oh, Fringe okay. Okay. like mm-hmm. a while back. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, William Head on Stage is back with their new show, The Emerald City Project, which sounds like it's a bit of a Wizard of Oz spin. Uh, starts on October 4th, 5th, and goes through weekends, November 1st, 2nd. Yeah, and uh, again, if uh, you've never been to a play at the prison, it's always quite the experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah, and uh, our, uh, our associate, Brianna Bach, who helped us out with the fringe, she's going to be going out there and reviewing that for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And will the security levels be different? Yeah, yeah that's a great question. With those escapees, that's right, yeah. so we'll get mm-hmm. the report back from uh, Have they incorporated Brianna. that into the show? Yeah. yeah. We'll yeah. see. And um, just when I picked up the program at Langham, uh, at their show they've got some interesting workshops and stuff happening at Langham okay. um, Janet Munsell is doing a workshop workshops on uh, October 6th and 13th and there's a theater lighting dis- discussion on October 7th and a little later on in the month uh, a staged reading of a play called Shatter that's about the uh, Halifax explosion which sounds quite interesting mm-hmm. so um, yeah I'm not sure if this is new for Langham these uh, this additional programming around uh, around their regular uh, season but it, it looks interesting so that's great just thought I'd mention that but, yeah. Uh, yeah so um, yeah I guess we'll be getting together a little later in October mm-hmm. to to record another podcast and maybe talk about some more Halloween-y mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, and some cult classics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And um, if you have any feedback on the shows, we'd love to hear what you thought about the plays that we discussed today. Um, check the program, yyj at gmail.com. They were on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, check the program. And uh, thanks to Dave Morris at Paper Street for taking the time to chat with us. And until next time, I'm Amanda Farrell Lowe. I'm John Thrillfall. I'm Melanie Trump Hoover. And I'm Sarah Petrescu. Don't forget to check, check the, the program. The greatest show. The greatest show you know. The program. Check the program. It's called Check the Program. Check the program. Yeah. Check the program. The greatest show that you know. Check the program. Check the program. Yeah.